How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good to see you. We're so glad you're here. Everybody put a smile on your face because this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's all stand if you would. We're going to ask the Lord to open up the heavens this morning. All right, here we go. Let's sing it together. Put your hands together, help us out.
reckless love. Amen. Let's sing that I just together. wanted to share a little bit about this reckless love because um, the, the guy, one of the guys that wrote this, um, he wrote it, um, and it, there's two parables in the Bible that talk about um, his love for us um, and that he leaves the 99 to go find that one. And um, the two parables are in Luke 15, 17. Of the sinner, there is joy over every single repentant sinner. And then of the other scripture is Matthew 18, 14. For the saint, in the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones who believe in me should perish. So that's what this song was written from, um, is how the Lord loves us and he is... He does everything he can to bring that one to know him. As much as you want maybe that loved one or that friend to come to know Jesus, how much more does a father in heaven want that? Because he gave his son for, for all of us. Um, so anyway, that's um, what this song um, is about. Uh, we have done this before. spoke a word 
song this morning amen i need to know about his reckless love amen hey let's take time to greet one another and then brother martin's going to come give us our uh, announcements tell somebody you're glad to see him this morning if you would all right some good fellowship there if you would uh, find your place and be seated brother martin is going to come and give us our announcements all right if you would be seated all right so usually uh last one last one talking gets the prey works every time works every time brother mark asked me to come do announcements and i really wasn't sure if i was able to not because i'm short of words but uh my daughter katie gray she uh she has a little sorority thing where daddy's come down for daddy's weekend here in a few weeks. 
and she signed us up for a fun run. And I'm 42, and the words fun and run don't go together. So I've been fun running for the past three days, and I wasn't sure my legs were going to be able to come up here. So pray for me on this fun run. Uh, so do we have any first-time visitors here this morning? If we do, show of hands, all home folk, that's awesome. Um, we do have Wednesday morning Bible study in the fellowship hall from 10 to 11. Again, I don't know what they're doing in there, but they are having a good time. I hear lots of laughter in there, lots of amens and all that good stuff. So Wednesday night, we do have services for all ages, adults, uh, young kids, and the youth have a service in here that I'm in charge of. Um, let's see, Sunday school starts at 10 on Sunday mornings. Also, if you want to give your tithes, uh, just put an envelope. There's a basket at the back. We do have electronic ways of tithing. Uh, you can go online at giving.landmarktyler.com. You set up a PayPal, and then you don't have to worry about the, having to write a checkout. Those are kind of going by the wayside. We are having a ladies' fellowship. We had a ladies' fellowship last night, and it was good. Thank you for everyone that came. Of course, you know, we have uh, Easter Sunday coming up, April the 17th, and usually what we do is we collect eggs, so we do need some Easter eggs. Uh, we will have an Easter egg hunt. We will baptize people that day. And if you bring a visitor, you get a free movie ticket, and all your visitors get a free movie ticket. So we're trying to motivate you to get people to come. Hopefully somebody will get saved or something good will happen. Amen. Also, we have revival with Brother Herman Kramer. He came last year, and I don't know if you guys got to hear him preach, but he was a blessing to me and my soul on April 24th through the 27th. So that is Sunday through Wednesday. And then the last thing is we do have a life recovery class that is going on. Meets here at 2 o'clock. Brother Tracy's the one leading it up. And uh, last thing is we do have a celebrity in our midst, and it's a praise report. Uh, Brother Rusty back here. Everybody give Brother Rusty a clap offering. Whether you realize it or not, Brother Rusty does a lot for Landmark Baptist Church. He may not be up here at the forefront, but if you ask him, call him for anything, he's always one that's willing to step up, just does it out of the limelight. Brother Rusty, we've been praying for you. Glad you're all healed up, and it's good to see you, and you've got a whole bunch of people here that love you. Amen. 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 I double that. That's good. Well, how about Miss uh, Julie Trammell uh, coming back in after her big, uh, big exciting wreck? Amen. If you didn't, uh, if you didn't hear, Miss Julie had a little uh, fender bender, and it was it bent more than the fender, amen. And uh, she had a little concussion, and so uh, we gave her, uh, gave her a week off. That's all we can give her off. She does too much around here, amen. But she's doing good, amen. We're glad to have her back I think with they us, know amen. I have road rage, but it wasn't my fault. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
Not that. <laughs> the concussion kept her from road rage, amen. So she didn't remember any of it. So, uh, hey, it's so good to see you this morning. And, uh, man, don't forget, April's going to be busy, amen. We are going to have one big day on Easter. That's always a big day. But guess what? Then we're going to follow it up, and we're going to try to have a second big day and start revival the very next week. Easter kind of comes a little bit later this year. But we're going to have two big days in a row. But we can't do it. You, I can't do it by myself. you got to help me, all right? So uh, put those on your calendar. April 17th, Easter. April 24th, we start revival with Brother Herman Kramer, all right? And I'm excited about that already. Brother Herman is really excited. Amen. Uh, so uh, let's stand and let's worship again, all right? We're going to sing, There is Nothing That Our God Can't Do. Amen. Let's sing it together. Here we go.
together. Richard and Miss Tracy are going to sing a song for us, but uh, we want you all to sing along because you probably all know it. And it's an old Southern Gospel song, and you can even get George Jones singing this, amen. If it's good enough for George Jones, it's got to be good for the rest of us, amen. And it's called How Beautiful Heaven Must Be, amen, amen. Here comes Brother Richard. joy it is to be in God. 
God's house. And it's, <clears throat> let me say, it's an honor to stand behind the sacred desk and sing. I always look forward to the next time we sing. It's been a while. But the other day I, I asked Tracy, I said, you know, I said, it's about time that we sing again. And she said, well, if you waiting on me, you backing up. <laughs> so I, so she picked this song, and I love it. I came out of the Southern Gospel and the hymns of the church, and I still love them. And as long as I live, I'm going to keep them alive. So listen to us as we sing. Let me introduce everybody. Julie, Brother Mark's wife. Son on the and there's Kelly over there and there's Brother Chris. I think you probably know everybody, but I wanted to introduce everybody. I I'm so happy to be here and I'm always happy to sing God's word, you know, oh in song. And uh, another thing I'll say that it's uh, whenever you're singing whether you're praying or singing, whatever, God is with you. And he'll give you the words and he'll give you the strength. Tracy, yeah. Tracy, 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 no.
another hand that's good amen all right if you have children for children's church uh, they can uh, go to the back there I think uh, everybody is uh, ready for them back there and uh, head on back there is miss uh, who's doing children's church today April's doing okay I think miss April is back there getting ready so she is ready for you Give our children's workers a big hand. They always do a great job. Amen. All right. Brother Richard, I got your books here. I'm going to set them right here, okay, when we get done. All right. All right. Let me get to the sermon notes here. Well, you're going to be glad you came today because... I'm going to preach today on quit making excuses. <laughs> amen. But y'all are here. You're not making no excuses. Amen. So this is for all the ones that aren't here watching on video. Amen. No, no, no. We probably all need this message at one time or another. Amen. So uh, we're going to talk about quit making excuses. And then we're not talking about just making excuses of why you couldn't make it to church or why you couldn't do this or why you couldn't do that. We're talking about just in general, we're pretty good at making excuses, aren't we? Am I the only one? Let me repeat. I'm, I'm pretty good at making excuses. Maybe you are too. But we're all pretty good at making excuses. You know, when we don't do something, when we don't feel like doing something, when we just, uh, we had good intentions, 
to do something, but we just didn't quite get there. Anybody here ever been there, done that? Amen, all of us. All right. So here's the main question for today. I want you to hear this today. What keeps you from your dreams and becoming a better person or having a better life? Probably across the board, I think everybody in here would say, now maybe you're perfect, maybe you're right there next to Jesus. If so, that's awesome. I want to I wanna spend time with you, amen? But most of us would say, you know, there's, there's some things I could do better on. Uh, there's some things I wish I could be better at. There are some things that I wish I could have a better life. Uh, there are some things that I wish that uh, were different in my life. Maybe you're letting the past get you down sometimes. Maybe the past holds you down and locks you down. And the devil's always lying to you, to you saying, well, you can't do that because of this, 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 and this. And I'm here to report to you today, the devil is a liar. Don't listen to that junk, amen? Uh, you can't change the past. You can only change the future, amen, and the present. So don't listen to the devil. The devil wants to lie and lock you down and say, well, you can't do this. Don't you remember you did this, you did this, you did this? Listen, if, if that was the case with everybody, nothing would ever get done. Now, listen, I'm going to be honest with you today, and I'm going to be uh, transparent with you. And uh, I'm, I'm going to use um, Brother Martin, too. I'm sorry you didn't know I was going to use you as an example. Um, but I'm going to use Brother Martin as an example, too. Because here's two guys called to the ministry. And I don't know about Brother Martin, but I know I struggled when God was calling me to the ministry. Because quite honestly, and I'm just going, again, I'm going to be straight with you today. I'm a hypocrite. But now before you get to looking at me too hard, uh, let me report to you, you are also a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites when it comes to the word of God. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be Jesus. And even the greatest people that we know, even the greatest preachers we know, they are not Jesus. They are not perfect. And we've got to be very careful. Sometimes we want to put preachers and we want to put staff people and we want to put people who've been called the ministry on a high pedestal. And guess what? When you get put on a high pedestal, there's only one thing that's going to happen. You're going to fall off of it. Amen. And the devil uses that because then when people fall, it affects people like you sitting out there. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm just going to be honest with you, I struggle with my call to ministry. I'm going to, I know Brother Martin and I have had some conversations and he's admitted to me, he has struggled with call to the ministry because I fail all the time. Brother Martin fails all the time. I am not perfect. Many times I can get up here and I might portray to you that I have it all together. And I can report to you that not on any Sunday have I had it all together. Brother Martin gets up here and preaches. Or he stands up here on Wednesday night in front of the youth. Youth, don't put him up on that pedestal. He's not perfect. He's never been perfect. He's never approached it. I never have approached it. And when we stand up here and we proclaim God's words, we are, we are doing it in the power of God, not in our own flesh. Because in our flesh, we are hypocrites. In our flesh, we are failures. In our flesh, we are flesh and blood humans, and we struggle just like you. And I struggle many times because here I am supposed to stand up and preach in front of you, and on many weeks I say, man, I'm a failure. I'm a hypocrite. But guess what? The reality of it is we're all hypocrites. You cannot let the devil lie to you. Every great character in the Bible had a good excuse because they wanted to say, surely you don't mean me. Surely you mean somebody else because I can't do this and I can't do that. And every great character in the Bible had their own set of excuses. Amen.
And we need to understand that God has called us to be uh, standing up for him regardless. Amen. And so I want to report that to you today. What keeps you from your dreams, becoming a better person, and having a better life? And it could be something different in here for everybody. I'm not even talking about just ministry things, although that's a big thing. I think everybody in here would probably want to be a stronger Christian. I think everybody in here would want to serve more and do more. And everybody in here would like to, uh, to be a better leader, a better Christian leader, and use their talents and their gifts. But even beyond that, let's just talk about even things about being healthier. Maybe you'd like to lose weight. Maybe you'd like to have a better marriage. Everybody in here could probably say amen to that. We'd all like to have a better marriage. Maybe you'd like to be a better spouse. Uh, maybe you'd like more education. Maybe you want to do something more in your life, and so you need more education to do that. And you've thought about going back to school, but it seems so hard. And you're married now, and you got kids, and it would be so hard. And those of you, I know some in here have gone back to school kind of in midlife. And I want to tell you, I honor you, and I, I give you great respect because that's hard, isn't it? That's hard. I, I started college as a single person, and I finished college as a married person. And I can tell you it was a lot harder as a married person, amen? And I didn't even have, uh, uh, then I had kids, and I tried to finish uh, my master's degree, and that was extremely hard. So everything, every uh, stage of life, it just gets harder and harder. And you know it's hard, but you wanted to do it, and so you said, I'm going to do it. You quit making excuses, all right? I want to be a better parent. I want a better job. Maybe your dream's always been to start a business, but you've always made some excuse of why you couldn't do it. Um, maybe you wanted to start or become involved in a ministry, but again, the devil has lied to you and said, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Amen. Brother Tracy Cantlin, a great, you know, uh, testimony of that came to me and said, Brother Mark, I, you know, I've struggled with addictions and I want to help other people in their struggle with addictions. And so he came to me. Again, this is, this is the way the preacher likes it. Uh, I want you to catch this, all right? The, he comes to me and says, Brother Mark, I have a burden. I feel like this is a class. There's something that needs to be offered. And he didn't ask me to do it. He said, I feel called to it. I feel burdened by it. And I'm going to teach it. That's the way the preacher likes it, amen, by the way, amen. But because it wasn't my calling, it was, it was his burden. And so he didn't make excuses. He said, uh, I, I've struggled with this. I know other people struggle with this, and I want to offer this. And that's a plug also for 2 o'clock today, all right? Uh, life, uh, life recovery uh, class that happens at 2 o'clock every Sunday. So come and be a part of that, okay? Um, so here's the first thing. I'll quit making excuses. As soon as I decide to be different or do different, Satan gives me excuses to stay the same. The minute God is calling you to something, can I tell you this? Um, Satan's going to give you a hundred different excuses to not do it. When I was called to the ministry, God gave me uh, all the reasons I needed to. And really, the only reason I needed to was God said, I told you to do it. And I'm calling you to it. And that's why you ought to do it. But Satan turned around and he gave me hundreds and hundreds of excuses of why I could not do that. All right. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 18 is the first scripture, says this, uh, because uh, this is a perfect picture of it. It says, then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, 
for all things are now ready. So the setup is this. This guy's having a party, a big party. He wants to invite, this is an influential guy in the city, and he wants to have this huge party. And so he says, food is free, drink is free, come on. And he invites everybody in the city. But look what happens. It says, but they all with one accord began to make excuses. Excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. All right. Uh, back up to verse 17. Uh, verse 17 says, and he sent his servant at supper time to come to say to those uh, who were invited, come for all things are now ready. So let's look at the difference. The guy puts the party on. Everything's ready to go. He's got everything lined up. All the food's ready to go. And everything is prepared, and he invites the people. And what do the people do? Go to verse 18. First line. But they all with one accord began to what? Make excuses. God has everything ready for whatever he's called you to. God has everything prepared for everything he's called you to. It's all ready to go. It's already been decided. God says even, he says, I have been preparing things for you. For you know what what does Jeremiah 29 11 say? It says, For I know the plans I have for you. So God's been planning for a long time, and He already knows the plans He has for you and the purposes He has for you. Everything is ready. All you got to do is take the first step and show up. But when we get called, we don't see it that way, do we? We say, Oh God, I'm not ready. And God says, You're ready because I say you're ready. And if you will go and if you will have faith and take the first step, I'll provide everything you need. He's, the, he's giving the party, and he says, it's all prepared. It's all ready. All you got to do is take the first step and show up. But what happened? Those people missed out on a great party and a great blessing because they made excuses. All right? So many times, God is calling us to be better. He's calling us to better things. But it seems too hard, or it seems like it'll take too much effort, or I'm just too lazy. Anybody in here lazy besides me? Uh oh, there's another confession. Somebody better videotape all this. I'm giving all kinds of confessions this morning. Amen. I'm lazy. By nature, I am a lazy person. I do nothing better than anybody I know. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, God has called you to some things, and sometimes it's just sheer laziness. Oh, God, I can't do that. That would take way too much work. And I am really comfortable right here in my lazy boy. Amen. And so we get, we get all those excuses going on. All right. Uh, here's some examples. And here's probably some of the top ones. I'm not good enough. Let me just give you a report. That is true. <laughs> In case you were doubting. The truth is, yes, you're not good enough. When God called me to preach, the first, one of the first ones, I said, I'm not good enough. And God will agree with you. Yes, you're not good enough. But guess what? You are good enough because I have forgiven you. I have set you free. My blood has covered your sins, and I'm calling you to it. And if I'm calling you to it, I will empower you to do it. Come on. Amen. I like that. Give me some more come ons, all right? Because God has called you to it, and he has never asked you to be talented enough or gifted enough. He simply said, I want you to be faithful. If I call you to do it, I want you to be faithful, all right? Many people, this, this even goes all the way back, all the way to salvation. Many people want to say, well, I, I, I'm not going to give my life to God. I'm not going to get saved. Because if I give my life to God, God's going to expect something out of me. Sheer laziness. Excuses. 
even why we can't let the blood of Jesus cover our sins, because I feel like if I let the blood of Jesus cover my sins, he's going to ask something from me. How selfish can we be? Amen. It goes all the way back to even that. But every little thing that God calls us to, oh, I'm, I'm not good enough. Yes, you are not good enough. But guess what? The blood of Jesus makes you good enough. And he will provide every single thing that you need. Here's another one. You know what? I'll do it later. You ever done that one? Procrastinate? Uh, once it, here's another confession. You got the video going? I'm a professional procrastinator. Amen. Why do today what I can put off till tomorrow? Amen. Many of you may be like that yourself. We, we just say, Lord, I'll do it later. This is another reason why many people, you go all the way back to salvation. Why do many people miss out on salvation? Well, I'm young right now. And quite honestly, I'm sowing a lot of wild oats, and I'm doing a lot of things I really like right now. Amen? And I kind of like my sin. Anybody lie to you and tell you sin's not fun? If you ever been in church and the preacher said sin's not fun, he was lying. Sin is fun. That's why everybody wants to do it. All right? It pleases the flesh. It's fun. It's fun. That's why we all have a struggle with it. But when you're young, you're sowing your wild oats, you go, I'm having just a good time. And quite honestly, I don't want to give that up. And so what do we say? You know what? When I get to be an old person, hello, when I get to be an old person, then I'll give my life to Jesus because I won't have nothing else to do and all my fun will be gone. Can I tell you, that day never comes. Because up here, I know what this body looks like. It looks like a 59-year-old man. But up here, I'm still 17. Amen? And it never happens. You keep saying, I'm going to do it later, Lord. I'm going to do it later, Lord. And the day will never come. Because the devil will always make sure the day will never come. All right? Too much stress. Well, you know, that, that sounds good, living for the Lord and all. But that's just too hard. I can't live for the Lord. You know, reading your Bible, praying, trying to make it to church on Sunday, that's just too much. That's too much stress. Amen? You know, I make it to work by 7.30 or 8 o'clock every weekday, but I just can't get there by 11. Brother Mark, 11's too early. My golly, you know, come on, 11 o'clock. Dear Lord, you know, at least wait till lunchtime. We're, we're the kings and queens of excuses, aren't we? Here's a big one. What if I try and I fail? Duh. Guess what? You probably are. Can I tell you how many times I've had to fail? But guess what failing does? Fail, failure teaches you things so that when you get up on the horse and you ride again, you're more prepared the very next time. And so you learn more through your failures than you ever did by your successes. Ask any millionaire. Most of the millionaires in this world went broke several times. Many of them made millions, went broke, made millions again, went broke again, made millions again. Listen, it's because they didn't let that mentality stop them. They just simply said, if I made a million the first time, what? I can make it again. Amen? This is why millionaires are millionaires, and you and I just sit here just saying, I sure wish I was a millionaire. Because they don't, they're not afraid of failure. In fact, they embrace failure because they said, it makes me stronger. Everything I learned from failure is the things to not do the next time. All right? So embrace failure. All right? Um, here's a truth. Most of the uh, time we make New Year's resolutions. Anybody here ever made New Year's resolutions? Can I give you a statistic, statistic on New Year's resolutions? 40% don't make it past January. 
That's 40%. And the rest of them, 75% are done by February. All right? And you can imagine the other 25% how it goes from the months on down there. All right? So most of them, we don't, we don't ever get to those things. Now, here's something good. Put this slide up. Good intentions are me-centered. You can have good intentions all day long, but they are me-centered. Good intentions are, well, I, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get to that. But good intentions never happen because they're me-centered. It's all about me. And you might even do good for a month or two. You said, I'm going to the gym. You know how packed those gyms are? You ever drive by the gyms on January 1st and 2nd? Those gyms are packed. You know, and it's like, whoo, come on. We're going to the gym. I'm getting in shape. 2022, getting in shape. And those gyms are packed with people. And then you keep going. You go back a month later, a little less crowd. Go back another month, a little less crowd. Amen. And, you know, you understand because your good intentions are me-centered. And guess what? Everything that you do in your life that's me-centered is going to burn out very quickly. Everything that you do in your own power, everything that you do that is based on you and your good intentions, guess what? You're flesh and blood, and you're going to fail. And it's going to give out eventually. There's only one source that will never give out. And that's the other one. God intentions are God-centered. You know why certain people in the church don't burn out and others do? Many times it's because we're doing it in our flesh. And if you're doing it in your flesh, you're going to burn out. But the things that God calls you to, and listen, I've confessed. Here's another confession. Get the video going. I've told you this many times before. There are some Sundays. There are some Sundays I don't feel like getting up here and preaching. There are some Sundays I'd just rather roll over in the bed and just stay there because I feel like, God, I'm going to get up there, but I, I don't know that I really got anything to give them today. But that's okay because guess what? The calling that I have on my life is God-centered. It's not me-centered. If it was up to me in my flesh, I'd only be here about every one out of four Sundays. Amen? Because that's about what I feel good about. Amen. The other three, I'd probably just roll over and go back to sleep. But guess what? It's not me. God has called me. God has called me to be faithful. And God has called me to show up and preach whether I feel like it or not. And whether you feel like you want to hear it or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So it's about being faithful. If God calls you to something, don't go on your feelings. It's not, if you do things and you live life based on your emotions and your feelings, you are always going to burn out because you're not going to feel like it about 75% of the time. All right? So you've got to say, I'm going to be faithful no matter what. All right? So that's the first question. Are my, is it good intentions and it's me-centered, or is it God intentions and it's God-centered? Here's a couple of questions. What does God want to be different about your life? This is, now, this is going to get very individual here. I want you to think in your own mind. What does God want to do different in your life? Everybody in this room, that's the question. What does God want different in your life? What would, not only what would you like to change, but what do you think God would like to change about you? What do you think God would want you to be better at in your life? All right? And then another question is, why does God want this part of your life to be different? If you feel a conviction in that, that God wants a part of your life to be different, why does God want that part of your life to be different? Probably because it would make you better, and it would make your family better. It would make the church better. It would make everything stronger, and it would benefit everybody involved. Okay? So, 
you got here's what we got to do today find the power of connecting the why to the what the why to the what what does God want to be different about your life and why does God want it to be different let me give you a few examples of here okay number one I need to get out of debt how many of you would like to be better with your money here's another confession how many of you are terrible with money like I am amen that's why God don't give me much amen Quite honestly, that's probably, that's probably the truth more than we want to hear it. God won't bless you with more because you're pretty bad at managing what you already got. All right? But we could all probably stand. I would like to be better. I would like to get out of debt. I'd like to pay off the credit card debt. I'd like to be debt-free. I'd like to do all of these things. I'd like to start to tithe. You knew the preacher was going to throw that one in. Amen? I, I, Lord, I, Brother Mark, I would like to tithe. I would like to be more generous. But I just can't do it. Excuses. Quit making excuses. Amen. We're going to get to, well, how do I do it? I'm, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. All right. Um, I'd like to honor God with my time and my talents and my gifts. Guess what? You just got to do it. I hate to steal from Nike, but it's a pretty good place to steal from. Amen. Just do it. Do you want your life to be better? Just do it. Do you want a better job? Just do what needs to be done. Do you need more education to get that better job? Just do it. Just go back to school. We can make excuses all day, but the bottom line is this. Are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? Because I would rather, it's a lot more fun for me to stand back and just gripe about my life than to actually take some action and do something to make my life better. That's why most people just gripe. Because it's a lot easier to just gripe about my stage in life rather than saying, you know what, God, I am tired of this. And I'm going to rise up and I'm going to do something. You've called me to do something. I feel like you've given me uh, a call to do this and make my life better. And I'm just going to stop making excuses. I'm just going to get up and I'm going to do it. All right? Um, oh, boy. Uh-oh. I'm fixing to step on toes. You know, I'd like to eat right and lose weight. Let's just skip right over that one, okay? Um, but guess what? <laughs> guess what? You've just got to do it. it. The gym is not going to show up in your living room. And... And I listen, I know what you say. I got a treadmill and a stationary bike. Guess what? I do too. You know what to do? There's clothes hanging on them. Amen. They're not going to ride themselves. You're not going to eat better if you go to Jack in the Box every day and get the double, the double with cheese. All right? It ain't going to happen. You've got to do something to make it happen. All right? Uh, I want to I wanna quit smoking. Uh, I'd like to get more educated. I'd like to learn a trade. Here's something, young people, that you need to know. Did you know that so many people are just going to college now and everybody's getting college degrees that people are coming out of college with master's degrees and PhDs and can't get a job? Why? Because the market is oversaturated. And you know what that's saying? They're saying that in the next 10 to 20 years, young people need to go learn a trade because all of those trades are going to be less and less and less. There's not going to be enough plumbers, not going to be enough electricians, not going to be enough welders. And so now they're saying that trade schools will become the more valuable in the next few years because the, the price of the, the salaries for those trades are going to go up and up and up. All right? So... Go, go do what you need to do. You need to go back to school, go back to school. You need to go to trade school, go to trade school. All right? Well, guess what? This is no new thing. Let's look at uh, Making Excuses History. There was a guy that had, uh, was in Making Excuses History. His name was Moses, all right? Uh, Y'all remember Moses? Here's what Moses said. This is in uh, uh, Exodus 4, verses 10 through 12. 
Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. This is, God is calling him to go lead the children of Israel. And these begin his excuses. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Most theologians think that means that uh, Moses either had a stuttering problem or a speech impediment. He couldn't talk right, all right? And now the Lord's asking him to go speak to million, a million people uh, at least, and he's got this speech impediment or he can't talk right. Uh, then he says, so the Lord said to him, who made man's mouth? Ooh. Man, the Lord has a way of just getting right to the heart of the problem, doesn't he? Uh, excuse me, Moses, who made your mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the sing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? And verse 12, now therefore, go. So if you don't write any other note on this sermon, write this. Here it is. Here's the one-point sermon. Now Go. Go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. He tells Moses, don't worry about any of that. I've got you covered. And he says, just go. Now, what does God say? Does God say, I'm going to heal you of your stuttering? No. Does God say, I'm going to heal you of your speech impediment? No. Here's the instructions from God to Moses. Moses, shut up making excuses Quit yammering about your mouth. Quit yammering about your stuttering problem and just go. And so he tells him and he says, Moses, I'm telling you, if you go, I'm going to take care of it. He doesn't promise to heal anything. He simply says, shut up. Now, again, you know, Brother Mark, I can just be real blunt, but here's what God's saying to us many times. Just shut up, quit making excuses, and go. Just go. Now Go, all right? I'm going to give you two points. Number one, do what you can do. You may say, well, Brother Mark, you don't know how hard I've got it. That's true. But guess what? There's two parts to this. The first part is do what you can do, and the second part is going to be what God can do. Here's, let's start, start on the first part, though. Do what you can do. Now, this is going to be the hardest part of the sermon right here. Do you want to lose weight? Throw the Twinkies away. Now, I want you to notice that all of these things that I'm going to mention, all of these things require you throwing something away. So the number one point of all of this is if you want to get something better and improve at something, you're most likely or 100% going to have to throw something away. And we don't like throwing stuff away. I really don't like throwing Twinkies away. Twinkies are good. Amen. Ding-dongs and, uh, you know, Swiss rolls, man. I love all that stuff, you know. Uh, but literally, if you're, going to, if you're going to lose weight, what do you got to do? The first thing you tell you is go home, go through your cabinets, and take all of that stuff and chunk it in the trash. You know how many people actually go and do that? Not very many. Not very many because they really don't want to do it. They're really not committed to do it, all right? Uh, here's the next thing. Um, I want to stop smoking. Guess what? You got to throw the cigarettes away. And you got to stop pulling in the store to buy more cigarettes when you throw those away. Amen? You must throw it away. I want to become more positive. Uh-oh. You, you may have to throw yourself away. Amen? <laughs> throw your negativity away. 
If all your friends are negative people, you may need to throw some of your friends away. Amen? Understand me, everything you're going to do in your life requires you to throw something away, and we don't want to throw it away. Uh, throwing away something is the hardest part. Number two, trust God to do what you cannot do. All right? The first thing to do is say, I'm, Lord, I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do, but, Lord, I need you to help me because guess what? I'm flesh and blood. Just like I confessed with, with me and Brother Martin, you think we always feel like doing this or we feel like God has prepared us for all this. No, many times you're, you feel like you're drowning. Amen? And you're just praying to the Lord saying, Lord, I feel like I'm drowning. Please give me something. Amen? But guess what? That's when it comes into the faith part. And Brother Martin and I, we have to say, God, I can't do this today. There are many Sundays. There are many Wednesday nights, I'm sure. Lord, I can't do this today. You've got to help me. So you, number two thing is trust God to do what you cannot do. God will help you. Now, here's an interesting thing. With Moses, he says, Moses, I'm going to take care of this speech thing. If you go and do, but here's, what did he tell Moses? you got to take the first step. The first step takes faith. He tells Moses, just go. Shut up and go. And the minute that you take the first step, God says, I will be with you. But you know what? I find in most of the situations in the Bible that God does not do anything until that person takes that first step. And the minute you take the first step towards God, God says, there it is right there. I'm coming. You started walking. I'll meet you right there. All right? God will help you to be a better person, to be a better husband, to be a better father, to be a better wife, to be a better mother. He will call you to be able to do a ministry that maybe you've been called to do, but you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Maybe you want to get out of debt. Maybe you want to be a better steward. Maybe you want to uh, be better with your money. You've got to do the things. How many people, you know, going back to finances, how many people have done the Dave Ramsey thing, you know? I know millions of people that have watched the videos. How many do I know who have actually done the stuff that Dave said to do? Not very many. Amen. And so, again, it does nothing. Good intentions do nothing. But God intentions say, God, I'm going to take the step. You meet me and you help me. And here's the great scripture. Julie, you can come on on this. 2 Corinthians, verses 12, 9 and 10. Now, again, this is our brother Paul. And you remember what Paul said. Paul had this thorn in the flesh, right? And it never says what the thorn in the flesh is. Why did it not say what it was? I believe it was so you and I could read these verses and we could just fill in the blank with what our thorn in the flesh is. And the Bible says that Paul asked God to remove it three different times. Three different times. He says, Lord, I'm tired of this. Why can't you just remove it from me? And maybe it was a, a sin. Maybe it was a pet sin. Maybe it was a, a, a physical thing that went on. A lot of people think it was blindness, different things, but it never gives us clear direction. I believe it's because you need to fill in the blank with whatever it is you're struggling with. And so Paul asked him to remove it three times, and God says, I'm not going to remove it. And here's what God responds. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can I tell you again, using me and Brother Martin, Right here, this is that verse right here. My strength is made perfect in weakness through, through a weak man right there, through a weak man right here. My strength is made perfect in weakness. It's not because Martin and I are anything special. It's because we just simply gave it to God and said, God, I can't do it. I'm weak. I need you. 
anybody that's called to ministry will tell you that, that you feel weak all the time. But God says, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen? And then verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my needs, in my persecutions, in my distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Quit making excuses, church. Amen. Bow your head with me if you would. Close your eyes. You're here today and you would say, Brother Mark, I'm, I'm not even sure if I were to die right now, if I would go to heaven. I'm here to tell you today, you don't have to wonder anymore because you going to heaven is not based on how good a person you are. You going to heaven today is based on you giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ and trusting in the blood and the cross. Amen. And so this morning, if that's you, or maybe you say, I'm not sure, you need to be sure because your salvation is based on what Jesus did, not what on you do. So if you're not sure, you need to pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer with me in your heart and mind. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Now, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or the second time or as a prayer of recommitment, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, would you just lift up a hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Now, how many of you in this place today would say, Brother Mark, what you talked about today, there's some things in my life I know I need to make better, and I just need to quit making excuses and doing, but I need help. I need prayer. Would you just lift up a hand? I would love Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over. We're going to have a time to respond to that, and the altar is going to be open. Um, dear Jesus, I thank you for all these hands that were raised, and I pray that, God, Lord, that we would realize, God, you have called us to something better, even to where we are, Lord. We, we know that we're not where we need to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. But, God, we need to take action to be a better person and to have a better life, God, and to be a better witness for you. So I ask you to use this time, Lord, and have your will and your way during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Uh, Julie's going to sing. Uh, the altar's going to be open if you want to come and pray. Uh, Brother Martin, over here, if you'd like him to pray for you, I'll be over here on this side to pray for you if you would.
one more verse, Jim. good to be with you today. Uh, lots of folks doing business with the Lord. I thank you. I hope that uh, that was something we all needed to hear this morning. Amen. Brother Richard, did you talk to the, the deacons? Uh, uh, okay. Deacons, we're going to meet in uh, this last classroom on the left as soon as we get done here. Just got a couple things uh, to talk with you about on that. And so uh, just meet me there after we get done here. It's so good to see you. I hope that you have a great day, rest of the day in the Lord, and uh, God bless you, and have a great rest of your Sunday, and I will see you Wednesday night.